Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Forma, a podcast featuring conversations with authors, teachers, creators, and leaders who are carefully contemplating the nature and practice of classical education and the arts. I'm David Kern. In this episode, we're bringing you an interview that I conducted with Jake Menzel of the Bookening Podcast, a podcast which is like our Close Reads podcast, attempting to offer a Christian perspective on literature, or rather, a Christian discussion on the great books. They've talked about books ranging from the Iliad and the Odyssey to C.S. Lewis and Harry Potter from Charlotte's Web and A Wrinkle in Time to Remains of the Day and Mansfield Park and far beyond. If you want to learn more about their podcast, you can look for the book ending wherever you get your podcasts or you can head over to warhornmedia.com slash the bookening. That's B-O-O-K-E-N-I-N-G. Jake and I chatted about um, his evolving love of books, the way they um, helped him endure some some troubling times as a, as a youth, as a young person, um, and what they've meant to him as an adult. Uh, we talked about the proper place of, of the great books in our lives, uh, and we talked about a lot more. So I hope you'll enjoy that, that conversation. Before we get to that, though, this episode is brought to you by the Honors College at Azusa Pacific University, where they are preparing the next generation of Christian leaders through a great books course of study that emphasizes faith, wisdom, and virtue. Honor students at Azusa Pacific enjoy several benefits, including an honor scholarship, small Socratic-style classes, a curriculum with no secondary textbooks, exams, or busy work, exemption from general ed courses, access to honors housing, and free trips to world-class arts experiences across Southern California. If you'd like to learn more about the Honors College at Azusa Pacific University, you can head over to apu.edu slash honors. Again, that's apu.edu slash honors. So thanks to the Honors College at Azusa Pacific University for supporting this show and making this episode possible. All right, with that, we'll kick it over to my conversation with Jake Menzel of the Bookening Podcast. Well, first of all, I just want to say thanks for joining me here on the on the podcast. Thanks for spending some time for, you know, setting aside some time for a conversation about books. Yes, yeah, it's, it's great to be on. Great to be here. So 
you are a co-host of a popular <laughs> Christian Christian book podcast, however, whatever, whatever the genre is that we the, the two sure. podcasts that are. You can't, I've discovered, we've discovered you can't quite call it a Christian literature podcast because then people think that you're reading Frank Peretti and, and stuff <laughs> like that. So, so we, I think we, we call it a pod, a, a literature podcast for Christians is yeah. Um, okay, and yeah. I, I wouldn't even really describe myself as a, as the co-host. I'm a guy who's, who's there and ready to go and contribute. Uh, best as I can. Nathan's Nathan's the host, the humble oh, okay. host. He's the guy. He's, okay. he's, he's the leader. Maestro. All right. Yeah, he's the so, so um, you're a pastor, right? That's right. I am. I'm an associate pastor of Clearnote Church in Bloomington, Indiana. Um, yeah. Oh, nice. So, where'd you come from? Like, where's your, uh, where's your, 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 not your heritage? Like, where, no, where <laughs> you, like, where's your ancestry from? But like, where did you grow up? <laughs> So I grew up in Evansville, Indiana. Uh, Evansville is a, a city of about two to 300,000 people down on the Ohio River, uh, right on the border of Indiana and Kentucky. Um, uh, grew up in a broken home in and out of church, uh, public school education. Came up to Bloomington, Indiana to do my undergrad at Indiana University. Um, You're a Hoosier, huh? That's right, through and through. And uh, uh, although my dad and my uncle both went to Purdue, so the big in-state rivals for us. But, uh, <laughs> so there, there may be that a little bit name, of, uh, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. So there may be a little bit of rebel streak in me, <laughs> uh, but, but yes, I came up to, uh, uh, I, I started walking with the Lord, uh, around my senior year of high school, um, came up to Indiana university, uh, to do my undergrad work, got my undergraduate degree in religious studies, uh, was planning to go to seminary. Um, by the end of my, uh, time at IU, um, I got connected with Clearnut Church here in town. Okay. Um, I had been, uh, the religious studies program at IU is, uh, is intense. It's a really strong program. Um, and, uh, where you end up, you end up reading a lot of, uh, of philosophy and philosophy of religion and mm. all, all of the influential thinkers of the last couple hundred years. Mm. Um, and, uh, it, and, and you're studying new Testament theology with, with these pagans who think Paul didn't write half of the, <laughs> the new Testament. And right, yeah, I've been in those classes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, very difficult. Uh, to maintain your faith. And uh, by the end of my time uh, at IU, I had been uh, really spiritually dry and burned and uh, and living in sin and uh, ha- uh, had an opportunity to run into a pastor from uh, Clearing Out Church who just sort of, sort of started talking to me about my life and my sin and calling me to faith and repentance. And hmm. um, I abandoned my plans to go to seminary um, I abandoned my plans to, I was also thinking about grad school. Mm. Um, I took a good job as a commercial painter. Um, mm. I got married, um, to my girlfriend and, uh, and then, so our church has a small pastoral training Institute. And after a year of, 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 uh, of working and then getting married, I started the, the pastor's college and, uh, it's just a, a, a low key model. Uh, low key is not really a good word for it because, um, 
it's, it's really intensive. It's actually the best education that I've, I've had just in terms of it's small class sizes. It's really Socratic in how it's taught. Uh, it's you're arguing through and you're arguing through old text. So we're reading Calvin's institutes. We're reading, yeah, um, yeah. um, but, but, you know, you, you still get your Greek and your Hebrew and your church history and all the essentials of a seminary education, but it's in the context of a local church where your character is being shaped and formed and you're being put to work. Um, kind of like an apprenticeship sort of model. More yeah. Than, yeah. More very much there. more like an apprenticeship, Paul and Timothy kind of, kind of thing, hmm. which is something that I really wanted uh, for a lot of reasons, mostly for personal accountability. And I really wasn't worried about, um, about, you know, not getting my seminary degree at that point. Um, yeah. I graduated from the college, it's a three year program. Um, and I, I'd put, uh, in terms of intellectual rigor, I put it up there at the top of any, any education that you could get. Um, even though it's, it's not accredited or anything like that. So that was sort of the route that I, I took and, uh, by God's grace in the process of uh, my time at the pastor's college, I worked myself into a job. The church wanted to hire me, um, instead of send me out. And, um, so they did. And I've been here, uh, ever since. So, Hmm. Um, what I've been at the church now for 12 or 13 years. Hmm. Um, and I've been on staff for about eight to 10, something like that. I'm bad with dates. So, so did, uh, do you did, did all that time reading, you know, Calvin and you know, the other books that you were mentioning there. Yeah. Uh, did that kind of play a part in your learning to like love literature and stuff or, or was that, <laughs> yeah. that was always there? Well, um, so I, you know, I, like I said, I, I was public school educated. Um, for me, books growing up, they were an escape from, uh, my life. I, like I said, I grew up in a broken home. Um, the first, I mean, I, I would say the first real time in my life where I realized what books could do for me, just in terms of transporting me to a new world and away from, uh, the realities of my life, uh, was in third grade. And I, uh, mm. had a teacher that, uh, had us read the lion, the witch in the wardrobe. Mm. And, uh, and I convinced my dad to buy me the entire series. And I read all the Chronicles of Narnia and mm. just loved it. And so, uh, for me, I loved literature, uh, but not in a, in a, you know, I'm, I'm getting something out of this kind of way, or even that I should, it was more just like, I, I want an escape from my life. Huck Finn was that for me. It wasn't until high school, um, I hit Shakespeare and I, I often didn't read. I wasn't the kind of kid that was going to read. I was too cool to like, you know, <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to read what's a science. Yeah. I'm not, and I'm not going to definitely not going to show up and act like I've read, yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> um, but, but there was this teacher in my freshman year of high school and uh, she gave these ridiculous quizzes with these stupid details. Like what color was uh, the bag that Pip carried on page 247 of great expectations. <laughs> and it, it's like daily reading quizzes. Like, yeah. And, and there was just no way to, to, to game the system with her. Um, and so I, I was forced to read and I read, I read Shakespeare. She, she and, manipulated you into reading. Yeah, she did. She did. And it was successful. And what happened is um, 
Shakespeare blew my world apart. And I know that this sounds like the dopiest thing. It's Shakespeare, right? Shakespeare. But, uh, but what I found in Shakespeare, um, like I loved Mark Twain. I loved Huck. Like I thought Mark Twain was super cool because he like kind of sneers at everybody and, you know, it really gets how dumb people are. And yeah. that was really appealing to me. Then I read Shakespeare and I found somebody that understood me better than I, I understood myself. Hmm. And I had this, you know, I just, I wanted so badly to be known and understood and, um, by somebody. And, and I, my first taste of that, I want to say was Shakespeare, somebody that really knew and understood me, understood people, understood human nature, somebody that could teach me how to grow as a person and how to interact, you know, how to, so Shakespeare just sort of, he's the one I point to, to say, yeah, this is where I learned to love literature and love reading. And, uh, um, and, uh, but because of sort of my, my background, yeah, I never was really exposed to a lot of good literature. And, you know, I was sort of a part of that jock crowd. And so it wasn't cool to read you know, anything that any, anyone would consider a great book. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't until my, you know, later high school, college, early twenties that I started actually reading. Um, and, and then I was into, you know, theology and, uh, mm-hmm. but I, I made good friends with, uh, with Nathan Alberson, who's the host of our show now. And, and Brandon Chastine, who came to IU to do his uh, PhD in English Lit. And, uh, and um, our show started, uh, the real roots of our show was one night we were out on the back porch at Brandon's house. And uh, we were talking Flannery O'Connor. And, uh, and my favorite O'Connor story is, is the river. And uh, um, for... For if anybody's read the story for reasons that that my I'm not going to read the story and read between the lines of what I've said and and you'll understand why. Uh, but um, so we read the story out loud. Brandon read it out loud on the on the back porch, and we uh, and we ended just crying and, uh, mm. and and had a really great conversation about it and. Um, Nathan and I had been talking for a while about wanting to, to start a, a start podcasting. Um, and when was this, Do you know this would have been, uh, um, when would this have been like three? Yeah. Something like three years ago. Um, so did you already have an audience of people in mind or were you just like, we're just going to start, we're just going to start talking and see what happens. Um, yeah, well, so yeah, we just decided we were going to start talking and see what happens. I think, (laughs) I I think we, we had looked in, um, I don't know if close reads was the thing when we looked, but we didn't find it if it was. (laughs) (laughs) And so we just thought, well, there's nothing out here on just Christians trying to process literature in a, in a way that's faithful to God that honors God. And that is, is helpful to people. That's not trying to be proud or pretentious or anything like that. It's just trying to be helpful. Um, yeah. yeah. 
And so, and we had good chemistry together and it was really Nathan's thing. He was the one that pushed it forward and, uh, and, and made it happen. And, you know, we started with, we decided we'd make it easy on ourselves from the beginning. We started with uh, Pride and Prejudice, which is a book that Nathan had just made me read for the first time. Um, I'd never read Austin and I had a very wrong impression of Austin and, uh, he, he corrected that. So for me, you know, uh, part of the joy of this, the podcast that we started the bookening is just, um, I get to go along for the ride and get a lot of the books that I've missed, um, hmm. at the hands of people that with friends that I trust and that yeah. I love and that I love discussing these books with our show is really just like three friends sit down and discuss things they love. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. um, and, and Brandon's brilliant. Um, he really is. And he brings a lot just in terms of, you know, he's, you know, he's PhD ABD. He was going to, to finish and move away. And, uh, his brother moved here to, and joined him in the business venture that he had been using to get through grad school. And that business started to take off and, he loved being around the church and we got the show and he's just like, well, maybe I'll just hang and make this business work and, and satisfy my literature longings with the podcast. And so, um, that's sort of how, you know, how we came to, to have what we have. Hmm. Did you, I mean, so how did, like, were you surprised that anyone was listening at first? Uh, well, or did you know like, nobody, right, like I, nobody was at first? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, but, um, but you know, we had, it, Nick and, and I had, had started basically, um, we have a lot of things going on at our church that we had just sort of been trying to pull together. Um, mm-hmm. we had a little print magazine that we ran, um, that had a circulation of like 1500 or 2000. Yeah. And, uh, just a small little thing. And it, it was quarterly and we gave it away for free. And, uh, and so we had a little bit of an audience with that and we, it was just practical Christian. We would talk about anything and everything and there'd be humor and sarcasm and parody and all kinds of stuff like that. And, uh, um, our senior pastor was, was starting to write books and, um, our, our, uh, church's band was starting to set the Psalms to do fresh settings of the Psalms to music. Um, and Nathan and I were helping with that. And so was Brandon, uh, helping make that happen. So we, all of a sudden we had these things sort of converging. Um, and, and we thought, you know, we just need to sort of pull this into a little multimedia ministry and, and put it out there and see what happens. And, um, so, uh, uh, trying to answer your question, it, it just sort of all happened at once. And, yeah, uh, yeah. and, and the bookening was the forerunner into the, into the world of podcasts for us, where it was our lab. It was, it was like where we could figure things out, um, figure out if we could even make a podcast work. So we weren't even really concerned about having too much of an audience at first. We just thought if we do a quality show, if we love it, if we love the books that we're doing, if we have good chemistry, um, it'll be helpful to people and it will grow or it won't. And if it doesn't, if God's not blessing it, it's not growing, then that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, at least yeah. we'll have an excuse to read through great books together and enjoy each other's company and grow ourselves. Yeah. And, um, and, and 
you know, God has blessed it and it has grown and it's grown uh, tremendously. And it's been a lot of fun uh, for us. And um, it's now one of five podcasts that, that we have. Um, And so, um, so yeah, that's sort of the story. Yeah. We just, and we wanted, we just wanted to be helpful, helpful to people, um, helpful to families. Um, And we did feel like we had something to say, you know, something to bring to the, to the conversation that other people uh, weren't bringing. So do you think that like, is there any, well, what surprised you about the way people have responded or like, you know, is there a book that you were sort of surprised (laughs) that people loved as much as they did? Or did you, do you guys get the feedback from people where they're like, I can't believe you think this about this book or whatever. Oh yeah. We get that all the time. (laughs) But, but for the most part, um, what surprises, what, I don't know if maybe Nathan would say this doesn't surprise him. Um, but what's been some, what's been a joy, what's been super fun has been just the number of people out there that we're just their friends. We're their book club. Yeah. They come yeah. And, we've seen that too. It's crazy. Yeah. And so um, they just think of us as, as they're, we're their friends. They're sitting down with us and they're talking with us uh, more like a fly on the wall, but they, they feel like hmm. they've, you know, just sat down and, and talked through great books with, uh, with friends, uh, that they love and that they trust and that they, uh, don't always agree with, but find helpful or insightful one way or another or challenging and, and funny. We try to keep things as light and, and funny as we can, um, uh, where we can and, and serious and sincere, you know, we don't want to take ourselves too seriously. We want to take, uh, and we also, we don't want to take literature too seriously, to be honest. We want it to be in its proper place in our lives. And that's a big part of what we have to say is, um, there's a lot of value to, to great literature, to great fiction. Um, but also needs to be in its proper place. Um, which is, you know, beneath scripture, beneath just being an ordinary, humble Christian who, uh, loves his husband or wife, um, loves his family, serves his church, serves his community, does a good job at work, whatever. Yeah. Um, and so, so yeah, we, we, there's, there've been certain things that we've, we've done that, uh, that, that people have, have not been happy with, but, um, <laughs> but you that's like, okay we that just did that into running book? jokes um or like the your perspective like your opinions on a book because you know people people love books they so they sure do and they hold certain ones love. precious so um yeah. the very first uh let's go ahead and throw the dirty laundry out there for you this maybe you know what some of it is and you're just hoping that i'll do it so i'll just <laughs> put you out of your misery uh, the very first uh, uh real controversial take that we had was on uh winnie the pooh and a.a milne um, <laughs> which is, um, we, we love A.A. A. Milne and we love Winnie the Pooh and we think Milne is hilarious and awesome. Um, we also think that there's something about Milne that is, uh, condescending and patronizing to children in a way that we don't really like a whole lot. Mm-hmm. and. Um, and so we worked really hard to sort of tease that out. Um, and the other thing that was surprising to, to Br- Brandon and I, uh, cause we both have kids, Nathan doesn't, um, is, you know, when we do a kid's book on our show, we always read it to our kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
whenever I read a book to my kids, my kids are always engaged and they're always excited about it. Um, and I've got kids from 10 down to two. And so, uh, but when it came to Winnie the Pooh, they were like any other book, they were engaged, but there was just something there that just wasn't like, they weren't excited about it. It wasn't quite connecting. It was more funny to me and my wife than to them. A lot of things were going over their heads. And I know that, you know, really great Christians literature, Christians, what is wrong with me? Really great, great children's literature is <laughs> doing a good job of, 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 uh, of getting down on the knees and speaking to the kids while also having, you know, some good jokes or whatever for, for mom and dad, Evie White's a master of that sort of thing. Um, yeah. Uh, lots of, there are lots of authors out there that are like that, but there was something about, about Milne that was just, we just didn't quite like the way that he was talking to the kids. So we teased that out and we got a little hyperbolic in how we teased that out. And so that got, People got oh, riled up. People got very, very upset about that because they love Milne. Did you lose uh, any listeners, you think? Um, yeah, probably. Probably we lost some listeners because of that. Um, I, I hope, I think that, um, I mean, it was still in the early days. In, yeah. Um, I think that uh, most people, I mean, certainly... We didn't like in our numbers, like in our statistics, we haven't, we didn't see any big drops or anything, Yeah, yeah. but, um, but yeah, there are people that I know that, um, decided that we weren't the show for them. If, if we were going to trash AA Milne, which <laughs> we didn't trash him, but people just can't even hear, um, you know, criticism of certain authors. So I'm sure you've horrified plenty of people who are listening right now. Yeah, that's um, right. That's right. I know they, they're going to go and they're going to go listen and they're going to think, Oh man, these guys are idiots. Like <laughs> they don't appreciate it. No, no, we love a no, He's great. I really think, I really think, and this is sort of where we came down that, um, Milne is more fun. Uh, the, the older you get or the, uh, it, it's like when, when you're in college, like you go and you read a Milne and it's a really f- fun, sweet commentary on childhood and it's sad, it's sad and sweet. Yeah. Um, um, and it's almost like that's the best demographic for, for a moms. Uh, the, the stories. Now we didn't talk about the poetry. Poetry is another story. There's no, no hesitations in any way about the poetry. The poetry is amazing. And then there's, he's um, the genius. I mean, there is some, you know, complex things going on just in his life and all that kind of stuff. Right. And we talked about that too. And we always do this with authors where we, we spend time just talking about, um, uh, Brandon does a big sort of, uh, we call it the contextual text and he's from Texas. And, um, and he talks about the biography of the author and places him sort of in, in the work in literary history. And, um, and certainly, I mean, I think his relationship with Milne's relationship with his son um, is deeply connected to what's going on in those stories and his resentment of those stories, his resentment yeah. of being yeah. sort of stuck with Winnie the Pooh his whole life when he had aspirations to be more than just a children's author. Yeah. I think there's a lot going on behind the scenes and underneath the surface that yeah. um, if, you're, if you're sensitive, you can pick up on. and. Um, and if you pick up on it, you, uh, there's some things to maybe not be so comfortable with. We talk about all of that in that episode. You can go listen to it and get as angry as you want. 
What's the Hunter. most popular? What book led to the most popular episodes? Um, you know, it's hard to tell for us right now because we switched services. About, yeah, we did too. Yeah, and we lost all our stats. So, um, I mean, definitely early on, it was Pride and Prejudice, East of Eden, Anna Karenina. Um, those were some of the early books that were really hot for us. Um, and that just sort of have real sort of staying power, people going back to the archives and always listening. Right now, we just finished up a series on, or are about to finish up. I'm not quite sure. We may do another episode. We got another episode coming out a week from this recording. I don't know when this is going to air. And then we may do even one more episode on on Harry Potter and J.K. Rowling. So maybe like eight or nine episodes by the time we're done. That's been really hot for us. Because um, you know what? Turns out people really like Harry Potter. <laughs> I don't know if you've noticed this. Yeah, it's so, a, that is a thing. It's like for yeah, a while now, I've had <laughs> enough time to pick up on it. Have you had any um, negative feedback about that from the Christian? Like how could you type stuff? You know, we haven't. Um, and I've been surprised that we haven't. I think that maybe the reason why we haven't, um, I don't know, maybe if I asked Nathan, he would say, well, you, you don't see all the feedback and we, we have gotten negative feedback about it. But, um, and that's true. I don't. I don't run our social accounts or anything like that. And he doesn't either, but he's more closely connected to that sort of thing than I am. But um, one of the things that we were careful to do um, early on in the Potter series is we went ahead and we made in our first or second episode, we went ahead and made the case um, for why Christians should not read Harry Potter. And we did as good of job of of that as we could. And, and uh, in making space for people who have a conscience issue with, with Harry Potter to not feel any pressure and to feel validated um, in their decision not to read Harry Potter. And then we turned around and in the following episode um, made a case for Harry Potter being something that you could partake, you, you can uh, read in, in good conscience and Christian liberty. And uh, uh, we did our best to be do justice, um, I think, to everybody, all, all sides of those arguments. And uh, um, and came down on the side of, of liberty with caution. Um, mm. But um, we love those books. It's no secret. Anybody listening, there's a reason why I did eight or nine episodes on them. And it's not that we think that they're great classics or anything like that, that they're going to, um, uh, that they, they hold a candle to Tolkien or anything, but they are a lot of fun. And so, um, so yeah, my take is that I think we must have done a pretty good job of sort of recognizing where everybody's coming from good, good enough that people haven't felt a need to, uh, be too combative. Yeah. Be too combative with our take. Well, that's disappointing. Yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta have, someone's gotta be on the internet trolling you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, they just troll us on Milne. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess they get it out. Yeah. Now you guys have, well, there's been some like booking close reads back and forth. Yeah. From, we were in a flame war there for a while, weren't we? Yeah. yeah. It was like, well, <laughs> yeah. For like, like, it's just kind of disappointing like, that that kind of died out actually. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe you should bring it back. Yeah. Maybe we should. So, um, but you don't, but you don't have any control of that. You're saying. 
Oh, the social stuff? Well, yeah. I have I have input into it, but no, I don't do it. I don't have control of it. No. <laughs> You're not the one starting flame wars? No, no, no. I, I don't start flame wars. I just fan the flames behind the scenes. Right, right. <laughs> As you know, that's probably the smart the smartest way to do it. It can't it's not that's right. less, less likely the, to get, get burned yourself. I stay out of the line of fire. I can come on your show and have plausible deniability and <laughs> <laughs> so so do you um so you were talking about the idea of like it's Christians reading literature less than like a Christian podcast about literature. Yeah. Do you uh have you felt like you've had to sort of um cultivate a a defense, or maybe a defense isn't the right word. I mean, I guess that perhaps is something we could talk about, but a um a Christian perspective or a Christian way of reading. I was going to say worldview, but I don't really mean that. I mean more like a Christian approach to, to the books that you're talking about. Um, or do you mm-hmm. not, or, or is that too finely defined for what you think you guys are trying to get after? Um, uh, that's an interesting question. I'm going to, I'm going to try to work my way out of it. Um, in, <laughs> in starts and fits here and see if I can get somewhere. Um, we definitely, um, I think in some part we're, we're men in process and really trying to develop what we think and have over the course of the last three years of this show, what we think about, uh, how to read literature in a Christian way and where it should fit in our lives. Um, and so, one of our big things, and um, we really have learned a lot just from going back to Shakespeare, Austin, um, the place that Brand- Brennan has a really nice spiel when he talks about uh, Shakespeare on our show, about how Shakespeare would have considered himself not to be a genius or an artist, but a craftsman, um, like a carpenter. It, it, he had a job. His job was to work with words and to do the best job he could working with words. And he had no idea that um, anything he wrote was going to really last. He was trying to put bread on the table. And, uh, and that's not the way that plays work. Plays, when you die, your folios are burned or, or whatever, and nobody keeps them. It just wasn't the way that things worked back then. Um, he was entertaining people. He was a craftsman. And, um, that idea is, has been really compelling to us. Um, the idea that Jane Austen, she wrote her novels, um, while watching her nieces and nephews, you know, sort of just like on the side and, but she was really just like a good aunt and a good, a good Christian woman who's doing her and, and trying to entertain her nieces and nephews. And she ended up writing these masterpieces of English literature Um, because she was just doing a good job, right? Um, That idea of um, literature and and the arts best serve people when they're in their proper place in our own lives, whether you're an artist or a consumer of art, has been a big idea that we've been been working on and, and, and thinking through and developing for ourselves. Hmm. Um, that yeah, the re- really the best, not, not idols. Yeah. They're not idols. You got to crush, got to crush the idols. And when we, when we try to like 
you know, literature is, you know, this great big, you know, pretentious thing. You know, that's not the way that Shakespeare approached it. It's not the way that Austin approached it. And they, that's what made them awesome is they were just humble people. They weren't trying to change the world. They weren't trying to redeem the culture through the arts. They weren't trying to, they were trying to serve people with their craft and they were craftsmen. They're trying to serve people they knew and that they loved and that they cared about. And um, so, I mean, I know that that's, uh, like I said, I'm just going to sort of bumble my way through and, uh, and trying to tease this out. Um, a, a lot of the best artists, I think, have had that, that approach. Um, and I think that as consumers of, of the arts, as participants in the arts, however you want to say that, um, as readers... How about that? It sounds the least pretentious of all. Um, <laughs> as readers, um, our job is to see literature for what it is, which is um, a nice little bit of uh, of art that hopefully uh, draws light, uh, casts light on the way God made the world and the way that um, in human nature. Um, and let it be helpful in its proper place and let learn your lessons from Austin and learn your lessons from Tolstoy and learn your lessons from who, whoever else, uh, learn your lesson from Ernest Klein, which is, I think don't read Ernest Klein. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so, I mean, I think part of, part of our approach has been, just to constantly insist that Christians always be discerning and they never stop being discerning, no matter who they're reading or why. Um, we want to read the classics. There's a reason that they're a classic. They're, there's a reason that they're a part of the canon. There's a reason why um, they've held up for hundreds or thousands of years. Um, we want to understand that and show respect and deference um, to our fathers who have determined this, you know, over the course of centuries or, uh, uh, but that doesn't mean that we then turn and treat these, uh, these, uh, works of art as sacred texts. Um, we still, uh, we never, we don't stop being discerning Christians when we're reading Homer, just because Homer's been around for forever or when we're reading Shakespeare or Austin, we engage everything because it's so easy to just say, Oh, you know what I want to do is I just want to read the good things. Well, I'm going to exercise all my discernment up front. And that means I'm going to only consume the Western canon and nothing younger than a hundred years old. And then I'll be safe and I can shut down and not be discerning. Well, this just doesn't work that way. Yeah. So how do you balance, um, I think how to say this. How do you balance? Or I'm actually, what I'm, I'm not trying to think how to say. It. I'm trying to think of what I actually am trying to ask. <laughs> um, so, how do you balance what you're describing there mm-hmm. with sort of the pursuit of or the identification of like transcendent realities in literature, um, like not making mm-hmm. them an idol, not making them more than they should be, letting it have its proper place in your life. Um, in your reading life, in your spiritual life, um, and so forth, while still saying there is something of transcendent sort of eternal value here. And that's one of the reasons uh-huh. why this book has 
passed the test of time and sort of been right. accepted into the canon of great literature, capital G, capital L, whatever. Um, yeah. So how do you identify that while balancing this sort of um, proper place, not letting it be an idol? So yeah. Well, I mean, I think that is the dance. And I think, you know, you have to go back to that classic Augustine quote, all truth is God's truth. When, a, when an author um, touches on something transcendent um, and you're caught up in it and you have that cathartic moment where you finish East of Eden and you're crying for a half hour because he touched on something deep and transcendent about the nature of fatherhood and forgiveness. Um, what, what you have to do is be able to take a step back and um, you know, you can embrace that moment, but you have to be able to see that the reason why he hit on that is because he, he understands something about the way that God made the world and the way that God made us. And, um, and you have to be able to, to, to see it all in the light of, of, of redemption, of, of scripture, of God's redemptive story. And, um, and you don't want to get too mystical about that or too over spiritual about it. Cause again, it's just a book. Um, but at the same time, um, books like that can, you know, God can use them, um, in your life to help, help you understand your relationship to your dad, help you understand, um, all kinds of things. I picked these of Eden because, I mean, that is what I did. I finished East of Eden and I cried for a half hour or something dumb like that, you know, because, because <laughs> I cry at everything. That's the truth about it. That's my dirty secret. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's at least twice now you've referenced that. Um, have I? <laughs> you said, the, you said the, uh, O'Connor. Oh you, yeah. Yeah. I, guess, I, guess I did say O'Connor. that, didn't I? Yeah. I mean, I well, would never do such a thing. <laughs> yeah, probably not. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what that, you know, I don't ever know what that's like. Um, yeah. so have you found then that well you have since you have referenced that twice now have you found that um that the reason that literature has been so meaningful to you and that um meaningful enough that you'd have a, a podcast that you'd put that much time into sure uh, to sharing the experience of reading with other people is that because of the way that it's sort of opened up um things about yourself or helps you process things or reveal things that you, that were kind of buried deep inside you. Is oh yeah. Like well, yeah, I, I, um, or is that not something you try to, you try to avoid that, that happening publicly? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I, we, if you, um, if you listen to our show, you'll hear us get very personal and, uh, um, and there are authors that we read that mean, uh, a lot to, each one of us because of the impact they've had on our lives personally, um, whether it was when we were kids or uh, young adults or even now. Um, do you avoid yeah. certain books because of like, do you talk about them beforehand and say, Oh, that book's not good for me because of what it triggers or whatever? Uh, yeah, there are things like that um, for us. And there are things like that experiences too much. Yeah. Well, it's not like, um, you know, if it's going to be, you know, this triggers, you know, memories of my childhood or, 
or whatever, we're not going to shy away from that um, at all. Yeah, well, okay. we will, we're, we're not going to be afraid to cry on Mike, even if that's what, if that's what happens um, or, or, or we'll, we'll be careful in how it, how we talk about certain things in our past. But, um, but you know, this is real life and um, this, this is what a good author and a good book can do. And we want people um, to experience the good of that along with us. And we want to help them experience that. Um, and, um, sometimes, you know, certain things do that for, uh, some people and not for others. That's okay. Um, but that's, you know, that's, I think in some ways that's where our show's at its, at its best is when we've got something that's deeply personal to one of us because of, um, how this book impacted us years ago or because how it's impacting us now. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, and I can tell you what some of those books are for me, it was Huck Finn and, you know, a lot of, a lot of what I ended up saying in the recording didn't make it to, to air. That's okay. Um, but you know, for Nathan, it's East of Eden and, uh, something wicked this way comes and, um, and for Brandon, I think we might have one coming up soon, but, um. Yeah, we just have these, you know, different places in our lives where, um, for one reason or another, God's used a book or an author to to open up something to us about ourselves or about our, a relationship that we have or about Himself even, mm. and uh, we want to let ourselves uh, be vulnerable and open about that and uh, process that verbally for people and hopefully give them some hooks to help them process it for themselves um, in a way that honors God and isn't making an idol out of, out of the book or the author. Is there a book that you liked more after doing it on the show than you thought you would that, or that you were just sort of like, we're doing this because somebody, one of the other guys likes it or because it feels like you should, but then you <laughs> ended up liking it more, way more than I expected. Um, well, I didn't know what I was in for with East of Eden. And so that, that's a huge one where I just, I, I love that book and, uh, and I didn't know what to expect. And I, I didn't. Y'all do these long books. Yeah, we do. We also do short books. We, we, I, I reference the long ones cause they're the, the ones that, uh, uh, you know, have often are the ones that have impacted me the most, but, um, I feel really? like if we did a long book like that, we'd be doing it for forever. Well, I guess you guys, our approaches you guys are a little go, different. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we we do a book a month, and it doesn't matter how long the book is, we're going to cover it in that in the space of a month. And yeah. so, you know, we're going to give you three or four episodes, no matter if it's uh, Charlotte's Web or Anna Karenina. Or, yeah, so I guess you're trying to decide these are the things we're going to talk about and you're going to that's right, that's right. specifically focus on things. Yeah, That's right. And so we just sort of focus on, on big stuff and, uh, and we get into details where it's helpful. Yeah. Um, and that, that allows us to just sort of kind of keep moving along, do a book a month, not, not get uh, caught in the weeds. We don't have the patience to do what you guys do. Um, I'm glad somebody, I'm glad you're doing it. I'm not saying, I mean, I just, I think we're, we're just not the kinds of guys that. No, I get it. <laughs> you know? um, no, I think, I think probably 
a lot of listeners like in in some ways there's a lot of listeners who don't have interest in what we're doing either right like they just don't want to spend as much time on a specific book or they don't have the patience mm-hmm. for it or it's, that's, but, that's then there, but then there are a lot of people out there that really appreciate that sort of deep dive you know you know chapter by chapter point by point approach but yeah that's not us that's not us for sure and so um again one book that i was really surprised by i think one of the books i was most surprised by just to kind of keep answering your question was uh, my Antonia by Will Cather. Oh, yeah. It, yeah, it yeah. wasn't, it wasn't like that book was had a big impact on me or anything like that. I just did not expect it to be as enjoyable top to bottom as it was. I just really enjoyed reading that book. I loved it. I have a theory about that book. Yeah. So I studied that book in college. My theory is that that book, its reputation has been sullied by the way they design it. And lay it out and do the book covers and stuff. That's like I feel like if somebody laid it out and designed the book cover in mm-hmm. the way that a lot of books are coming out now, people's the way we think about it would be different. Because a lot of the times it's like a Dover book and yeah. it's small print and there's a lot of text on the page and it just feels old. But it's mm-hmm. actually, I like it's actually kind of an, a very interesting book about a very interesting character and. If, they had a different layout and it was made to look a little bit more, a little bit less yeah. like depressing the way it was yeah. designed. It would have people would think about it differently. Yeah. It looks like depressing adult Laura Ingalls Wilder, but depressing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, yeah. And it's, it's not that it's no. uh it's, I really just enjoyed it for a whole lot of reasons, but so yeah, I don't know. There's another one I'll just throw out there for you. Something wicked this way comes. I was a little dubious about, and really loved that book. Yeah. So. so, okay. I'll let you go here in a second. Last question, I guess, is sure. so all the stuff you're reading for the show and all that. What are you like? What are you reading now for yourself? That's not like for the show. Like, do you ever fit any other reading time in? Or, or I, I'll put it this way: like, what is your sort of genre guilty pleasure? Guilty pleasure genre reading <laughs> that you like to to read? That's maybe not for the show. It's just sort of like your. This is how I spend 30 minutes or an hour if I'm just like, it's your pleasure reading. Yeah. 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 Um, my pleasure reading outside of the show. Um, right. Not that the show is not pleasurable, but like, well, it is. Yeah. 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 Um, I like to squeeze in short stories by, uh, uh, Stephen Milhauser, Dennis Johnson, um, and Dennis Johnson, a guy that I would, you're talking about a guilty pleasure there are things about that guy and his stories that, you know, you need to be really careful about. Right. Um, Yeah. But he's also a a master. He's just a master craftsman. And so I, um, that sort of thing. Yeah. The other thing that I would say is a guilty pleasure that I did recently is I actually went back and reread, uh, uh, I've reread parts of Harry Potter, um, since doing the show. (laughs) nice and i i i'm just a sucker for uh i'm a sucker for plot and uh and the craftsmanship the craftsmanship of uh of of intricate plots and rolling that is what she's best at and uh and i think it's just a lot of fun um so one of our uh contributors Heidi is a huge Harry Potter fan. So there you go. I wonder if she's listened to your, uh, to your shows. I'm going to ask her about that. Yeah. 
Well, hey, Jake, thank you for joining me. Hey, um, thanks for having me on. Really appreciate it. So where should people uh, find the booking? I mean, where, I guess anywhere podcasts are available, right? Anywhere podcasts Stitcher, are available. Apple Podcasts. Everywhere. Podcast yeah. Addict. You guys do yep. SoundCloud or what are you, what's your... I, we don't do SoundCloud. Yeah, we don't either. Huh? Uh, but pretty much everywhere else. Yeah. yeah. And then you've got all these other shows. So what's yeah. the best place they want to learn about? If people want to learn more about the other stuff you're doing, just go over to the, like the Warhorn website or something. Yeah. Warhornmedia.com. You can find all of our shows. Cool. Uh, Sound of Sanity is uh, just a, a one that I think your, your listeners might find especially interesting. Um, because we tell stories, we have plot episodes, we have parody, um, but it's just a sort of, uh, the whole idea of that show is um, we live in an insane time and it's hard to feel sane as a Christian. And the whole point of that show is to remind everybody that we're the same ones. And so, um, but yeah, we got a, we got a, a handful of other shows there that people can go and check out warwardmedia.com. Awesome. Cool. Well, I hope people do that. I hope you get some subscribers. Thanks, uh, from man. Our listeners. And uh, yeah, thanks really for your time. Thanks for, thanks for being here. You having me on. It's been great. Absolutely. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 